Hello, Amanda Smith here. Thank you for joining me on a new episode of How She Did It. I've not posted a new podcast over the last few weeks because, to be completely honest with you, my head and my heart have just been in a completely different space as I continue to listen and learn about police brutality and racism happening here in America. Black Lives Matter. And so over the next several weeks, this podcast will be highlighting the voices of Black women working in sports. And I'm excited to have you with me as we join together in celebrating a part of their story. So this week's guest has covered the NFL now for over a decade. Back in March, she began working for ESPN as an NFL reporter, and she contributes to ESPN's NFL shows, SportsCenter, ESPN.com, and more. I'm so excited for you to get to learn more about her. Here is the phenomenal Kimberly A. Martin. Hey there, Amanda Smith here with Kimberly A. Martin. I first want to thank you for joining me on the show. I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. I'm excited too. I'm glad you reached out. This will be a good talk. I know. When she says I reached out, I guess I should actually thank you for responding to my DM. (laughs) Modern (laughs) day communication. Slide into the DMs, but something about you, Amanda. I said, okay, this one I'll respond to. (laughs) I appreciate you giving me that accept notification. (laughs) So you have covered the NFL for over a decade now. And you recently made the transition from Yahoo Sports to ESPN, and we'll talk more about that. Ooh, some foreshadowing. But (laughs) first, what is it about football that initially drew you into the game? The funny thing is, I actually did not want to cover football. Uh, (laughs) When I, I actually, my first beat ever in sports was an NFL team, and that's usually, you know, 10 years ago, that's like usually unheard of only because, you know, people usually, um, you know, your first beat, it's like you would cover, like you work your way up. Like I did high school sports. I did some college here and there, college games, basketball games, but my editor at Newsday uh, was sort of like, yeah, you should take a beat. And I was like, no, I'm good being a general assignment reporter, you know, I want to try to do really good features and profiles, win awards, stuff like that. And he was like, no, I really think you should do a beat. <laughs> and he, he said, you know, th- that was 2011, where he initially mentioned it. And I was like, no, I'm good. 2012, uh, he like brought me in his office and he was like, okay, so you're basically going to take a beat. Um, but you have a choice. You can cover the Jets. You can cover the Mets, or you can cover the the Nets, who were just moving to Brooklyn. And I had done some backup Jets work before, and I just said, "Well, I'm familiar with the Jets. I'll just do them. You know, I'll just be the Jets writer." <laughs> but I I begrudgingly accepted the job because uh, I didn't I didn't really want to be a beat writer. <laughs> I I didn't. Um, yeah. And I'm glad that I, in that moment, as much as I had choices of which team to cover, I'm glad that in that moment, I didn't have a choice of saying no to beat anymore. Because I think it does 
I mean, it's a grind. It's a, it is a grind, but I think the being, having the players see you every day, um, if you write something, being accountable and being in the locker room the next day, I think all that's really important. And that consistent FaceTime with coaches or players or assistants or, you know, front office people, it's really good. So, um, so yeah, I did not actually ever set out to be a football beat writer, but much of my life, if you look at what I've done professionally, there, there was, I wouldn't have expected I would have done any of these things, to be honest. <laughs> because you also have covered the MLB and NASCAR, yeah? I did like a couple NASCAR stories like early in my career when I was a general assignment reporter. I did kiss oh. I did kiss the Bricks and Indy. I did um okay. I did do that. Um but yeah I you know when I was a general assignment reporter at Newsday uh I covered the Yankees, the Mets, like I, I covered a lot of baseball games, you know, some uh Yankee division series games, road games, stuff like that. So um I did a lot more baseball, to be honest, than, than football. Um, but I think I just, I think because the, I think at that point, I think I was around the Jets more in the locker room, you know, like three times a week. I thought, okay, maybe I could, maybe I could do this. This, this will pan out. Where did that initial interest in sports come from for you? Oh, I was, people wouldn't think this now, but I was a complete tomboy growing up. Um, I wore my dad's clothes in high school. Like I would steal his like shirts and I would wear them like, you know, when I was in high school and he'd always get mad. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I love, I love sports. Um, I'm from Brooklyn. So I grew up, I actually grew up a Yankee fan uh, only because one particular day I turned on channel 11 and they were on and, you know, I think it was like 94 or 95 or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I always, I always liked sports. I didn't, it's funny. The people that knew me growing up or in college are like, it's so funny. You're a football writer because that was a sport you talked <laughs> least about. And it's true. It is true. When did you realize though, that you could combine your love of sports with then your talent for writing? That's a good question because, so when I was eight years old, I thought I was going to be like Robin Roberts or something. Um, I, I thought I was going to be on TV. I wanted, you know, being in New York City, Sue Simmons was um, another black anchor on TV and I just, I just adored her. I loved seeing her. So when I, you know, I would get my hairbrush and sort of practice in the mirror um, but then as I got older, I knew that writing was like the passion. So I, so I put all thoughts of being on TV aside. And then when I got to college, undergrad, I actually studied psychology and African-American studies. I was a double major. They didn't have journalism. So, um, and then when I got out of there, I worked in finance for a year, for a year and a half. And so the, the idea of I want to write about sports. I always loved it, but I don't, I didn't really think it could happen until I was in a cubicle at my office, um, you know, on, on 7th Avenue, was it 7th Avenue? 40, I know it was West 47th <laughs> and like 6th, I think. It was like right near Times Square. I'm like at my cubicle and I'm filling out my application 
for grad school and I just I just thought like I want to do this journalism thing and so you know year of grad school I tried to do everything I wrote for the Daily Orange at Syracuse like the student paper I I, I think at that point I was interested in sports so I said you know I want to write you know intern at the post standard the the big paper there I want to cover high school sports for you guys I want so that going to Syracuse um at that point it was like oh I'm totally gonna write for ESPN the magazine I'm told you know I'm totally yeah gonna, like you know you just think in that moment like okay this is this is what I'm meant to do I often talk about the importance of representation and the confidence that it can give young girls seeing people on tv like robin roberts when you were younger what did that do for your confidence and maybe your mentality moving forward in this business i think people don't recognize that representation is everything you want to be what you see right so when you when you see people that look like you in spaces that don't look like them, like it does give you that confidence, like, oh, wow, she can do it. You know, um, that's why it's so important for young girls just to, to know that there are lots of options for them. So when they see whether it's a, a female CEO of a company or whether, you know, it's um, Robin Roberts for me or Sue Simmons growing up or Pam Oliver, you know, it, it's really important that you, you have those representations in a different, in different fields, because when you're young, you just look to TV, or you look to magazines and you, that's how you determine like, okay, what can I do? You know what I mean? Like, completely. that's, it is as much as we like to think that, you know, what we see around us doesn't affect us that much. It's all about how you're raised. Like it does have an effect. And I think when you're able to see strong women kicking ass in like male dominated fields, it is, it's a signal for young girls. Like, oh yeah, if she can do it, I can do it. Yes to strong women. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's really true. You know, as I mentioned earlier, back in March, you began working with ESPN and you were kind of joking before that you're like, oh, I thought I'd do some, you know, work for ESPN. But now that's your reality, right? You're working as an NFL reporter for them. What has the transition been like of working at a new network for you? Well, my transition was kind of wild because my orientation at ESPN literally was the same week that the NBA shut down and COVID that's all we were talking about. Like the the height of, holy crap, this virus. You're like this, like this thing is 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 a big deal. You know, um, yeah. it was the same week. So I left ESPN like orientation. Like I left Bristol, drove back to my home in New Jersey, and then the next day it's like the whole world changes. And so. That, those couple, because, you know, especially being in New Jersey, I'm from New York City. So, like, being in this area, we were the hotbed of COVID. So, it's almost like you're, you're thinking about work. This is a new gig, first TV job, uh, you know, full-time TV job. And, and now you're worried about your family. You're worried about, okay, can we get groceries delivered? You know, like... Being, it, it was it was really it was really tough around here. Um, so 
work you know like my bosses were cool like hey I know this is a crazy time (laughs) we're trying to we're you know we still love you like you you know like you are a a big part of what we're we're doing but we're just trying to like you know with skeleton crews trying to just get programming on the air so it was it everybody was sort of like what the hell are like how are we gonna make all of this work so I started at a really crazy time it's funny to think I have no idea what ESPN is like in normal times. You know what I mean? It's like my, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you start a new job and you're all like, excited about like, okay, so how does this work? And everybody's like, I don't, like, you know, like ev- not just ESPN, but every single newspaper organization network is just like, okay, what the hell? Like, how do we, <laughs> how do we keep everybody safe and still put stuff on the air? Like that's, so you know, um, I mean, it, it's it, the transition while crazy. I think it's it's just so emblematic of my story. It's sort of like every you know, like it, it's just so unexpected. Like how, like, like I was just <laughs> like, I joined this place and now the world is over. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like just having to adapt to just new new things and having to figure stuff out um having to pave a way when there isn't a clear path in front of you like that's what I've always tried to do so while I was hired to be full-time TV when COVID hits obviously you know we're not having as many people in studio um I you know I started at a time where I just started so it's not like I have I had home equipment you know from the jump um you know, they were also cognizant of like, okay, it's your first TV job. So um, we were going to ease you in slowly anyway, but we didn't think that uh, a pandemic would be, would, would, would hit and that's on top of everything. But the good thing is, okay, I can write. I love to write. Like I've written columns. I've, I've written features. I've done video features with players, interview, you know, on-air interviews. So, you know, it, it's been, it's been good. I think the, the, for me, at least, being at home, having to think on your feet, like, how do you show your versatility? Like, that's been a challenge, but also a great thing for me, because I'm, because, you know, I can do a lot of things for ESPN. And this is, you know, this is only the beginning, I hope, of a really long relationship at this network. So it's been, it's been good, despite all the challenges. I was literally just going to say this is kind of the perfect example of where versatility can really help you during unexpected times. You know, you d- I don't think anyone expected that a global pandemic would stop everything, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, and so everyone has just tried to figure out a new way to adjust to this quote unquote new normal for now. Right, right. And so one of the stories I did like the first video feature I did was actually with um, Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins about how he's dealing with training and this crazy off season of not being at the facility. Like, how do you stay in shape? Like, how do you work out? What are you doing? And uh, he actually, he was working out in his parents' driveway. Like his parents live in Florida. (laughs) He, He has two small kids under the age of three. Him and his wife were like, we need the more hands on deck, you know, more hands on deck. So they went to Florida so he could train virtually. Like he would set up his laptop and be with his trainer and, 
and he would have all his exercise equipment in the driveway as people walked by and honked their horns and shouted, you know, go pack go because they don't <laughs> like the Vikings, you know. Um, but that's one of the story, the first stories I did. And it's so to me, it's so relatable because I wrote after talking to Kirk, I talked to other players and wrote uh, a bigger piece just about some guys like Golden Tate is like running on canyons near his house in San Diego. You know, it's, it's, we all have to adjust. And that's been the biggest lesson. Like Kirk Cousins had said to me, you know, it's at this point, it's like any means necessary. Like you, there are no excuses. Like, yes, there's a pandemic, but we all have jobs to do. And so these athletes are no different than you and I, it's, we're all figuring it out. Completely. You know, you said this is your first TV job and you, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you did a little on-camera work at Yahoo, right? Yes, I definitely, yeah, I definitely did on-camera work at Yahoo. Uh, but the focus for me there, it was both. Like, it was like, you know, right. seven, you know, like 60, 40 writing to, to on-air stuff. Um, so this, this job is definitely going to be more on-air. You know, the last couple of weeks I've been on-air a bit, you know, whether it's SportsCenter or NFL Live, like I've did a couple hits. So um, once the season starts, whenever that is, I think we'll definitely get a season. But whenever that starts, you know, hopefully, uh, <laughs> you know, the media access won't be altered too drastically. So we'll see. When you decided that, okay, I'm not going to do on-camera work, I'm going to write, but then kind of your journey, you find yourself on camera again. How are you <laughs> able how are you able to get comfortable being in front of the camera? I'll be 100% honest. I am not I'm really not comfortable. I don't think anyone truly is, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just um you know, especially cuz I got into journalism. I like journalism. I particularly like writing about football and sports. Yeah, because like you tell other people's stories like you're constant, like you're a conduit between the player and the fans. Like it's about when when a player can trust you with their story and be vulnerable and honest and share all these things and allow you to write it and tell their story like that's really powerful. And that's why I got into it. So the idea of the focus being on me and I know that even when I'm giving a report on, on camera, it's like it's about the report, but still just it's still, it's still strange. It's still like, even when I, I, you know, if I record, if I tell my mom to like record uh, <laughs> ESPN, so just so she could see me on sports, it's still, it's still strange. Um, and I think that's a good thing. You know, it's not, it's not, I think it's not about me. It's about the stories I'm trying to tell. We, at this point, you know, journalism has shifted a lot over the last 10, 20 years. Like you have to be versatile you have to be able to write. You have to be able to be on camera. You have to be able to do a podcast like you're doing. You have to be able to, to communicate stories in various mediums and all of them, whether it's TV, radio, like film, or, you know, just a regular article, like they all require different strengths. So as much as I'm not comfortable um, on camera, like it still feels weird. You know, when Sports Center is like, hey, can you do a hit? It's like, all right. I got to do a yeah. hit, you know, and you kind of just go for it because you have to like in this in this business, you have to be able to show people that you can do whatever is asked, you know, and, and that's and you got to get I think the nerves are good. Like the nerves, they get you. And then when they're like, all right, you're on in that moment, they disappear. 
I always say I used to get so like incredibly nervous doing on-camera stuff like mm-hmm. in college especially just thinking like oh my gosh what are what are people thinking what are they going to say what not and then I made this transition from doing TV into radio for a little bit and that is something that really helped me because it took away the aspect of feeling that people were watching you and you could just focus on your words. And I feel like it's kind of the same with writing, you know, and then next thing you know, a camera's in your face. And like you said, you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's good because you have at least done on camera work and now you forayed into, into podcasting, you know, Um, it's all life is, especially journalism, the way things change. And, you know, we know that, jobs are scarce and especially with COVID affecting the economy you know the more you can do the more you challenge yourself the more ways to create content the more ways to tell stories that you can come up with that's the key you know so we can't be afraid we can't be you know we can be nervous I think nerves are good if you're not nervous that that tells me you don't really care as much as you should you know you want to nail it you want to be perfect etc but yeah no this is especially in sports i think you know it's it's a good time for us to to branch out and try new things you know as we're kind of talking about this new chapter now of of your story like i mentioned you've been covering the nfl for more than 10 years mm-hmm. what would you attribute the sort of longevity you've had in this industry to <sighs> it's funny when you talk about longevity cuz it feels like i it doesn't feel that long ago that I was just yeah being forced to take a beat. Um, <laughs> Ten plus years is a long time, and you should be proud of that. No, I it doesn't even feel like that. But yeah, no, it's it's been it's. I think for me, relationships are key. I think, um, I know a lot of us. I know a lot of people in journalism. Like right now, it's like you know everybody's worried about their brand. Everybody's you know, focus on like, okay, how do I stand out? You know, I I don't know if I'll ever, like, I don't know if I'll ever, I don't think I'll ever become like a mega superstar celebrity in sports journalism. But for me, that's never been the goal. Like I, I am really, like, it's all about the stories and connecting with people. And I think that has helped me, the relationships that I have the when I walk into a locker room, I am myself. I learned a long time ago that it's good that I am a woman in this space. It's good that I'm a black woman in this space because I because it's it's who I am. So when I approach people, you give them your authentic self. And some people won't really know what to do with you. They'll be like, okay, so do you know what you're talking about? Other people will give you the benefit of the doubt. Other people will help you. Other people will tell you things. Um, but I just think it's it's about being authentic and and loving the work. Like I would the best compliment I could get isn't, oh my gosh, you you look so stunning today. It's holy crap, I read your column or I read your feature. That was amazing. You know what I mean? Like for yeah. me, it's it's people recognizing the work that I do. Like that's been my focus. And I think. Um, I really do put my heart and soul into like things that I write and stuff like that. So I think people see that and they, they see that I'm genuine and they see that I, I really grind 
Um, so that's probably, probably why. I love that. I love that. Guys, uh, don't go anywhere because I've got the perfect person on the show for this game coming up. Yes, Kimberly is handing out some superlatives. Stick around. Welcome back inside How She Did It. Still here with Kimberly A. Martin. She has not left us yet. And we are going to play a round of superlatives. Who better else to pass these out than an NFL expert herself? So I've just got some superlatives here. And you can pass them out to anyone around the league that you choose. Player, coach, mascot, coworker. <laughs> you know, you can give them to yourself. We're very flexible with the rules here on the show. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So first up, the life of the party. I for, Honestly, the first person that comes to mind, sadly, because of all my years covering the Jets, is Rex Ryan. Um, <laughs> I know he's not a coach anymore. He, you know, works at ESPN. But covering his, covering his tenure with the Jets, it was crazy. Like there was so like Rex was one of those guys where you're like, okay, he's insane, and I love him. He's one of those guys you'd want to have a beer with, like just like, re- like you know, just as a regular person, funny, yeah. um, always cracks jokes, always has like you know witty one liner. Um, so yeah, he definitely made those uh, news conferences uh, really entertaining during my Jets tenure. Next up, we've got best dressed best dress okay so I'm gonna give this to Cam Newton even though he's not on the team right now like Cam Newton when he steps to the podium yeah you don't know what in the hell you're about to witness and (laughs) as much as I don't understand some of it or maybe most of it I love that each time he comes to the podium wearing a fedora an ascot like pants that like come that aren't shorts but aren't really pants like he is himself, and I and I and I love that because that's what you need that personality in the NFL. So I'll give it to Cam. I love it. All right, class clown. Who's our goofball? Huh? Class clown. Class clown. You know, um, and so class clown makes me think it's like you know, it's like a negative. But like when I think of uh Darius Geis running back for the Washington Redskins he was drafted a couple years ago he is such a goofy clown but it like you never yeah um, you never see him down really um you always see him with a big Kool-Aid smile on his face and he's just such a joy and ball of energy and he the way he interacts with fans on Twitter the way he just you know, before COVID, like, would organize these different, like, hey, I'm going to the movies, you know, the first 100 people or 50 people that want to, that show up, like, you can come watch for free, like, he's just that, like, um, ball of energy, crack on somebody um, with whatever kind of, he'll tell you off with whatever kind of funny line, so he's a good kid. (laughs) Last one. Most dynamic duo. Hmm, most dynamic duo. Oh my gosh. Why am I having like such a like brain fart? Um <laughs> No, this is good. That means you're taking your time to, to answer. Most dynamic duo. 
It could be like a player combo. It could be a player-player combo. It could be you and your bestie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's interesting. Oh my gosh, Amanda, why? Why have you sent me in this way? And why am I like? I thought that we were like kind of gonna be friends. So now I feel bad. (laughs) Yeah. What the heck? This is the last time I do this podcast. Um. Dynamic duo, and it's so crazy because it's like. You know, this may not count, but I, because now they're no longer together, but the combination of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for so long was, it, like, you, like, you'd never seen anything like that. Like, I, I and I say this as a Jets reporter who every time the Jets, um, <laughs> the season ended and they went five and 10 or six and six and 10 and five and 11. Uh, I would always have to jump on the Patriots, like their postseason run, and I would always have right. to cover the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, so when I think of dynamic duo, like I think of what what used to be <laughs> Tom and Bill, and so it's interesting that um, this season Tom's in Tampa, and the question of who was the bigger genius, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady, that's going to be decided this season. So. I'll just say them because I think that what they were able to accomplish all those years in New England was was un, was like remarkable. We will accept. We will accept. I appreciate <laughs> <Let me> that. Ask, <laughs> let me ask you this. You know, like you said, we've never seen anything like that combination. Do you think moving forward we will ever see anything like that again? I mean, it's hard. Like in sports, it's hard to say no, right? Um, cause, cause sports, it's so wild. Like the NFL is so wild. Um, right. bad teams one year are great teams the next. I just think, I don't know if we'll, that's hard. Like winning six Super Bowl, like that's, that's really hard to do. I probably don't think we're going to see that level of consistency and two, like Bill Belichick, like greatest football mind and Tom Brady, like one of the greatest if not the greatest football play like quarterback I probably don't think we'll see something that special um which is pretty impressive I mean that's that's why they're my dynamic duo Amanda uh-huh. yes bring um, it full circle <laughs> <laughs> you know how to wrap a story that's what I'm talking about <laughs> thank you so much for being a good sport and and handing out some superlatives congratulations to all the winners that, that <laughs> got your awards <laughs> guys coming up Kimberly before she leaves us oh, so sad is going to answer just a couple of your questions stick around welcome back inside how she did it still here with Kimberly A. Martin she has not left yet but she's about to because she's got things to do after she answers a couple of your guys' questions. So first up, we've got Tay Lehman. And we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but maybe you can go into some more detail. And she would like to know, is there anyone you've looked to for inspiration throughout your career? Yeah. um, Geez. So it began, you know, in Brooklyn, Sue Simmons, Robin Roberts. Um, I think Jamel Hill, who was formerly at ESPN, now megastar at the Atlantic, um, just total boss chick. Um, yes. You know, Jamel is one of those people, before I, you know, 
before I decided to leave the Buffalo News as a columnist, um, you know, go to the Washington Post, like she was one of those people I talked to, because even as a columnist in Buffalo, um, that was rare, you know, Jamel had been a columnist in her career. There was another woman, Shannon uh, Owens, she was a columnist at one point, but there aren't, we just don't have black female sports columnists um, at major papers. We just don't. And so it was really important for me to have that in Buffalo. And while it was a short stint, you know, I talked to Jamel about going to the Washington Post. Uh, you know, I talked to Jamel about um, going to Yahoo. So it's, it's so all these things, you know, um, she's sort of been that person that I just check in with. Um, Pam Oliver, I had actually done a profile on Pam Oliver uh, this year, and it ran during the Super Bowl. I um, she is, when you talk about how to do the job right, for me, like Pam is the epitome of that. It is not about her. She, and, you know, in my profile of her, you know, we talked about a lot of personal things like her health. She went into detail about her health and the things that she was juggling, but the, but the, her ultimate goal was, okay, how do I do the job? I need to do the job. Like I can't, I am in debilitating pain, but I have to be on camera, you know? And I think that's, you know, and she never made it about her health issues. So it, so I think Pam has been, you know, um, she's been a, a big supporter of mine and, and a good guiding light as far as like, how do I want to be remembered in this, in journalism? You know, um, I don't know how many people will know my name or whatever. I don't think I'll ever be a household name. That's not the point, but the people that do know me, the people that I do write about, will they, will they describe me in the same way that they describe Pam? Like she's needed in this profession. She's one of the best. I trust her implicitly, you know? Um, so she's definitely somebody that I look to. And my last one, I, will, I know it's a lot, but um, one, my other mentor, uh, Jim Trotter. I have a lot of mentors, but Jim Trotter, uh, who used to be at ESPN and Sports Illustrated, now he's at NFL Network. He's another one that um, just a gem of a human, but it's always about the work. It is never about his popularity or his status or you know none of that it really is about the work and I think that's needed I think more of that is needed in our profession you know I know you said you won't be a household name but I totally disagree with that because well after doing this in, podcast I am hello I, oh my gosh stop <laughs> no I do because you know I know this is the first time that we're getting to talk but you are just so genuine like I can just feel how genuine you are. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about before with authenticity. And to me, those are the kinds of people that I look up to. And I'm like, wow, I kind of how you're talking about Pam, like, wow, I want it to have my career and life look like and led like this. So mm -hmm. don't sell yourself short. Oh, no, I appreciate, <laughs> no, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, no, it's uh. I, I really do appreciate that. I think if we all sort of focus on how do we do our job the best way and how do we um, not compromise like principles and not compromise the work, how yes. do we just focus on doing it right? I think there's a payoff, um, you know, just knowing that I, I did it. I did it right. Um, so I'm glad. I appreciate your kind words. That was really sweet. 
stop. I told you we're friends now. Of course, I got you. (laughs) Okay, next up we've got Tim Rushi. And he says, favorite story you've done? This might be hard. Oh, yeah, that is hard. Um, favorite story. Goodness gracious. Oh, my gosh. I have so many. So um, <laughs> the Pam one was huge. Pam one was huge. Um, I also did a profile on Troy Aikman a couple years ago. And that was that, you know, that was took a l- couple months of convincing him to sit down with me. He's very he's somebody who's sort of like, OK, well, who who are you like? Um, and I was just like, I'm just this girl from Yahoo. Like, sit with me. Um, we went to his. We went to his um, his restaurant, Troy's in Dallas. And I sat with Troy Aikman for an hour and wrote a profile on. And it's funny when I pitched the story to my editor at the time, he was like, "Well, it's Troy Aikman. We know everything about Troy Aikman." And I just said to him, like, like, trust me, I got this. Like, I'll get something. And I think that's what I always think. Like, I'll find something. Yes. And that conversation, we just, I mean, it was great when Troy Aikman's like, oh, wow, you really did your homework. You know, like that, that's what you want people to say. Like, yeah, damn right, I did my homework. Like, that's the job. Um, but like catching him off guard with certain questions and getting him to open up about, you know, um, just his life and the end of his career and transitioning to broadcasting and wanting to be a GM. Um you know, I wrote that story like a couple years ago, and I've seen people since write Troy Aikman profiles and mention, oh, Troy wants to be a GM. And I'm like, see, I was ahead of the curve. Like, that's good. That's what you want. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that was a good story. Um, but I have one more. I mentioned Darius Geis, the Redskins running back. Um, when he was drafted a couple years ago, I actually went to Baton Rouge, where he's from, landed and basically was told I got to write a profile on him and I didn't know where to go. And so I spent three <laughs> days in Louisiana trying to talk to as many people, people at LSU where he went to school, people at like his favorite, like his favorite, like eating spot, you know, like I talked to the restaurant manager, you know, and I eventually, he just happened to be in town too. And I eventually sat down with him and did this whole profile about his really like really sad upbringing his father being killed um when he was like five I think and um how every step of the way he's had to face challenges so when I bring up him as the class clown it's really it's because like everything he's gone through and he still has a smile on his face like that's he's a good lesson even for me you know the subject that you write about um they can teach you some things so that the Darius Geist profile um was was probably a top three for me too we didn't get just one answer we got a bonus answer and those are my favorite no those are my (laughs) favorite kinds I'm like yes do you want to say another you can go for as long as you want (laughs) I'm definitely oh you know what I do have one more oh my gosh yes when I was on the Jets beat I actually talked to the Jets GM and his wife um, about domestic violence and because they're one of their best friends she had been killed by her husband um, and this was back when they were living in Houston before they he joined the Jets organization but they lived across the street from this woman and um, you know they you know we the conversation was really emotional like you're sitting with a football GM and he's got tears in his eyes and he's talking about you know there's signs that 
sometimes you miss or, you know, in general, you think, well, it's their business. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to intercede. You don't want to butt in. You want to be respectful. And, and through the loss of their friend, like her murder, you know, um, the Jets, former Jets GM and his wife, Betty, like they, you know, they're committed to programs that, um, that, that help young women um, understand, and men that help them understand um, positive relationships and, and what bad relationships look like. And um, one of the organiz- organizations was called One Love. It was named after Yardley Love, who was um, a college student who was killed by her boyfriend. And, you know, it's fun. It's not funny, but Yardley's birthday was like, is early May. And the GM's friend, her birthday is like a few days later. And it's just, it's, you know, the whole story was about how their two lives sort of intersected and how it helped the Jets, the former Jets GM and his wife kind of tackle like a really big issue and, and dealing with young, young kids and under, teaching them what positive relationships look like and, and so that when they get older, they can recognize signs. So that's another that's another um, one that still touches me. You know, when you have an idea for a story, but it is a very serious topic and it can be very emotional, how do you navigate as the reporter building that rapport with the interviewee so that they feel comfortable opening up to you? So I wish I knew the answer to that because I think I think people feel just feel it. I think because yeah. the questions that I'm asking, um, the way you're just listening to somebody, probing a little bit more, you know, like um, there are interviews where they'll give you sort of like, they'll gloss over details like, oh yeah, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of things growing up. It's like in that moment, okay, talk about some other things, but then you go back to it like, hey, you know, when you said you dealt with some difficult things growing up, like things like what, you know, like right. there's a way to, but I think it really honestly starts with a basic idea. You were dealing with people. And I think in sports journalism, we stop seeing these athletes as people. And it's sort of like, I got to get my story. Like, give me my quote, like, okay. And you kind of do like this haphazard job sometimes of telling their stories and so for me I am never more stressed than when I have to do a profile on somebody like Pam like the stories I mentioned the Troy Aikman Pam Oliver Darius Geis like you know the Betty and Mike McCagnan story on domestic violence like I don't I don't sleep you know what I mean in the as I'm writing like I am so stressed because you want to get it right. And, and I think if you have that level of care with people, it transcends to like how you, how you care about their answers and like the, how you put them at ease. Like, I think it's, it's natural to put them at ease if you genuinely come to the interview with, I just want to know more about you, you know? Completely. I usually like to end the podcast by asking my guest this question you are my guest Uh-oh. obviously Uh-oh. so Uh-oh. here it comes <laughs> you know i think to me the show is about celebrating others and empowering others and so what is something you're proud of yourself for 
You know what? I'm, <laughs> I am proud of myself. I'm proud that I don't listen to other people. Um, and it's taken me a long time to get there. You know, I was at Newsday for 10 years, working my way up from high schools to some colleges and then covering the Jets for like five, six years. And then I went to Buffalo to be a columnist. And then I, I went to the Washington Post to cover the Redskins. And then I went to Yahoo. And now I'm at ESPN. Like I left the Jets beat literally a little bit. I think August will be three years since I, so in three years, I've been a columnist in Buffalo. I've worked at the Washington Post. I've been at Yahoo, like a national like columnist and senior writer and on-air person. And now I'm at ESPN in the midst of a pandemic. Like nobody <laughs> has, nobody has this career track. And it, while it might sound crazy, you know, especially because I worked in finance before I even decided to study journalism. I love that I have no idea where my journey is taking me. And I love that I put my head down and just do good work. And all of these jobs that have come my way, they're not jobs that I asked for. It's people came to me because they recognize, okay, we need her. We want her. Um, so I, I think that's what I'm most proud of. Like joining ESPN, like that's a, that's a scary thing as far as, oh, now I have to be, now I have to be on air on game day when I'm usually thinking about what's, what story am I writing? Um, but you don't let fear sort of stand in your way. You don't let the unknown of like, oh, what if I, you know, what if I completely freeze on camera? It's like, maybe that'll happen. We'll see come September when the season starts. <laughs> that, again, it's like, we're all going to mess up. We're all going to make mistakes, but you kind of just keep going. And, and I think if you're focused on the work and wanting the work to speak for you, I think good things can happen. That's like the best way to end this possible. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Whoa, did I send you a script? Like, hey, can you read this before we go? <laughs> no, it's true. It's all true. That's how I feel. So I'm glad that hopefully other people um, feel that too and understand that. It has been so fun getting to talk with you today. Like I said, I think that celebrating others and their story is so incredibly important. And over the next several weeks, this podcast will be celebrating the voices of Black women working in sports because that is so important. And so thank you for making time to join my podcast and to share a part of your story. I appreciate you so much, my new friend. Ah! And hopefully we will get to talk again sometime soon. Yeah, hopefully uh, COVID will will let us all hang out again one day. One know, day. to meet up in person. I appreciate you, honestly, Amanda, having me on. This was really good. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Be sure to check out Kimberly's work for Kimberly A. Martin. I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time on How She Did It. <laughs>